he's your teammate and he's your brother. Right. Who do you root for if you're the parent? Like you the know, better like, team, motherfucker. What you mean? What the do you mean? Gonna win. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, 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 no. Let me tell you something. If Lil C and Carter ever play against each other, I root for the better team. That's it. Yeah. What if like straight up? He's not going for no what, losers, guys. But what, what, what if like <laughs> what if Lil C's won before? Carter never has. I don't give it's a like damn. Carter's I'm going shit. for the team that's the best. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, everybody? We are back. Um, I guess we're we're now six full weeks into uh, this completely disorienting situation. Uh, we appreciate the way you guys have been hanging with us throughout it, and hopefully, you know, some of this content has brought you a feeling of normalcy or distraction or entertainment during this period of time. Uh, I know, you know, it can seem like an arduous task, and we can go stir crazy, but. Um, you know, everybody's been doing such a great job with social distancing, seeing the improvements in New York where I am is so encouraging and this area, you know, for Cece as well. So, uh, let's keep it going. You know, we, we have the stamina to keep doing this. Let's keep being smart, keep taking care of each other. Um, today we are, uh, back with an episode of the shift, our partnership with the MLB players association, where some of the best players and biggest personalities in baseball join Cece and me for honest, unfiltered conversations. This week, we have Justin Upton from the Anaheim Angels. It was recorded at Mountain Shadows in Paradise Valley, Arizona. Great spot. We had a wonderful time there. You guys will remember our uh, R2C2 spring training road trip we did there in February. Uh, this was one of the episodes from there. So, um, you know, initially we had thought we'd roll these out consecutively throughout spring training, but then, you know, when COVID-19 happened, we shifted gears a little bit, but we want to take you back there because, you know, there was a couple other amazing conversations we haven't shared with you yet, and we thought it was time. Uh, Plus, who knows, it might be a nice mental break uh, for you going back to sort of a pre-COVID mindset. Justin was amazing, thoughtful, interesting, a funny veteran of the game, talked about playing with his brother BJ, uh, the free agency process, and and what changes could be made there, and also how he and CeCe view the decline in the percentage of black players uh, in Major League Baseball. So we had a great time with Justin, excited to finally bring it to you. Here is The Shift with Justin Upton. The Shift. So let's set the scene a little here. Just we're in Arizona, mm-hmm. little R two C two road trip with the shift, courtesy of MLB players. This is our first road trip. It is. That's it. Really is. It's kind of like it's kind of cool, huh? Yeah, this is nice. Yeah, kind of. You think we have more in the future? Yeah. All right. Nice. nice. Yeah, more R two C two road trips to come. We're in Arizona where the Cactus League goes on, and and we get to talk to just a bunch of awesome dudes here. It's like. It's nice getting to, to hang and actually spend some time in spring training. It's also looser, right? It's like everyone's more relaxed yeah. during spring, you know? Yeah. I mean, they're always loose on R2C2, but <laughs> but especially so in spring. And, and Justin Upton, we are so pumped to have you with us. Thank you for being with us, yeah, man. appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So, Justin, how about, um, how long have you known this dude? I've been bumping in CC for how long? Man, since you've been in the league, Yeah, probably. since 2007. Yeah. It's really, been a, been a while. Yeah. yeah, because me and B, I, I mean, me and BJ are close, so yeah. I've yeah. been knowing, yeah, forever. <clears throat> so, what was it like when when you see Justin coming into the league? Are you like reaching out then to like? 
to kind of like welcome them to the show or, or how does the relationship start when it's, you're not on the same team? No, it's always different with pitchers because I'm yeah. a pitcher, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So it's right. like, it's, you just bump into each other out on right. the field or whatever, stuff, stuff like that. But, um, yeah, like with, with pitching and, and hitters, like you never know, you know, how that dynamic is going to work out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The relationship may be rocky or maybe good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Depends on how those at bats go. Yeah. Right. Justin, you you're the first overall pick of the draft, right? In yeah. 2005. Five, yep. What I mean, like it feels like it's one thing in football. You know, you see like the number one overall pick often has a big impact in the in the NFL, right? Like in baseball, I feel like because you have so many rounds, it just feels like s- such a crapshoot. You never know, like. What is what does it feel like to know like hey I was the number one overall pick and you know what I've made good on that in my big league career what does that feel like uh, it's it's nice man because you'll see it a lot where the the guy who's drafted first by a team isn't always the best player yeah like the best player they could say it's always the guy with the high upside and sometimes that guy doesn't make it and sometimes that guy does make it and have an impact so. Um, you know, getting there when I did and being able to, I mean, I was thrown into a, a playoff race right out of the gate. So um, that was, you know, and having an impact right away was was nice for me. It kind of gave me that confidence and then it kind of kind of took off from there. When you're a number one overall pick, do you feel a certain level of pressure in the minor leagues? Like knowing, oh, I got, you know, I got to live up to this. Uh, you know what? <laughs> you get humble real fast. Yeah. <laughs> you get humble fast. <laughs> like... When when I pulled up in South Bend for the first time, my first year, I was like, "I'm I'm not in the show. This is not the show." So like, <laughs> like it's freezing cold and nobody at your game. You're like, "I'm just here playing baseball. I'm trying. I'm just trying to make it." You like you you get brought down to earth real fast. So like, the pressure was there. Obviously, from you know when I was in spring training, everybody, you know, the hype was there. But when you when you leave for South Bend, it's over with. Nobody even really cares. <laughs> no, about no you nobody cares. Like, you're so, you're so far away from yeah. like your goal. Yeah, it's crazy. It's weird. It, I couldn't imagine being the first pick though and having that. Oh, but you know what? It's it, it. Justin leads us nicely into like the reality of like the minor leagues, right? And just how it is. It is so much different than what you experience at the majors, right? Yeah, man. It's like you need everything in the minor leagues. Like you need shoes, you need gloves, you need people to take care of you, and nobody's there. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. like in the big leagues, you get too much shit. Yeah, like yeah. too many motherfuckers around, too many shoes, too too much gloves. Like it's crazy, man. The 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 drastic like it's almost like when in the minor leagues you playing summer ball still with your boys. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Like you like. You, you get you're close with up. a lot of those guys, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, like you're bunked up in a, a bad apartment. Like, it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's real. Yeah. Like, that's like real-life situations out there. Who Who is uh, somebody who you met in the minor leagues, Justin, who, like, to this day is still someone you're close to? Well, <laughs> like, one of my best friends, uh, CY. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, our first spring training, first yeah. I, I was living in – you know, I was living in extended stay in Tucson. Like he's staying on the rough side of Tucson and like both of us got hurt at the same time and like near the end of spring. So we were both going to be in extended spring training and I didn't even notice, dude, like barely even knew him. And then we were both, there's like three of us at the complex. It's like, it's, it's nobody there. And we just started vibing, man. Like the, you know, to this day we, you know, we talk almost every day. Wow, so, man. You, you, you meet people like it, it all happened. Everything happened for a reason. Yeah. When, what is the, 
like for both of you guys, because I'm thinking about like the minor league cities you have to go to and that. <laughs> what it, what what was the either the like the roughest road trip you had to take in the minors or like just the most like in the middle of nowhere, like why like how, why am I here playing a baseball game place? Man, I think the the hardest road trip definitely was from Akron to Portland, Maine. I think that was like twelve or thirteen hours. And I was a nineteen, I just turned nineteen when I got to double A. So obviously being the youngest player on the team, I'm sleeping in the middle of the fucking bus. Like I didn't have a seat. Like I wasn't gonna double up, you know what I'm saying? I'm this size, obviously. So I just slept in the middle for like 12 hours, like at the bottom of the bus. That was literally the worst, the worst fucking day of my life. I, like it was one of the worst times in my life. You literally like, just laying on the floor. Laying on the floor. Like oh it was, God. it was, and nobody gave a fuck. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Like this 19 year old, yeah. you're gonna lay here for 13 hours. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Right. Now that now they might be like, uh, we don't know if this is best for the prized shoulder of CC Sebastian. Yeah, but, but nobody gave time, a shit back then. Yeah, yeah, like, nobody cares. Was, no. no. Dude stepping over you, go take a piss. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> In the floor again. <laughs> it's crazy, man. Like we did one of those from from Mobile to Orlando, and all I remember is like my head being underneath a chair on a bus, and I'm like, "This ain't it. This is far from it." So that like every time you step on the field, you remember that you like, "I'm, I'm I want to get on more buses, man. You just play." Yeah, it's a weird thing, right? Because like in this sport, you know, you get drafted, and it's like you don't know how long you're going to have to wait till you taste that, right? Like, I mean, it's – when you're drafted, it could be I think two you years, be, three, five. But yeah. you got to be drafted in the right, like, situation, too, to get to the big leagues young. Yeah. You know, like, I, like, for me, Indians had no pitching, so they just kind of, like, fast-tracked me. Right. So, like, maybe I wasn't ready. I could have probably spent a couple more years and a certain, you know, amount of levels. But, I mean, I was I was grateful that they were just, like – you have a good game, we're going to send you to the next spot. You have right. a good game, we're going to yeah. send you to the next spot. And I think that kind of helped my confidence. As Like when I got to the big leagues at 20 years old, like I'm like, oh, okay, I'm ready to be here. They think so. So, right. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, you just, you just, you blind. Like, you don't, you don't really understand like what you're going to get yourself into night in and night out on the field. Like these are the best players in the world. But when you're 20 years old, you're just like, all right, whatever, let's go. You know? Yeah. You, you're, you're, you're playing on pure adrenaline. Cause like when I first got called up, I, I didn't have no clue what I was doing. Man. And I you just, were 19. I just, yeah, I just got moved to the outfield. Yeah. I, I had no clue what I was doing. It was like ball went in the air. I just took off and ran. Yeah. It's like, and and I, later in my career, I started to like slow the game down and really know what I'm doing out there. But at that point, it was just go. Oh, when you are though, like when you're starting your minor league journey, are you able to just like lock in on, okay, I, this is where I am. I'm just trying to dominate here day in, day out. Or, like, is it hard not to think about, like, man, even if I play great, it's going to take me this long to get to the big leagues? Um, man, I, I got lucky. To get, like, yeah. I, was, I, was, I happened to be playing well. I was in double A when I got called up. Yeah. And, I mean, Scott Harrison was hurt. You know, Carla, the only reason I got called up, Carlos Quentin got hurt. Yeah. Like, otherwise, I would have finished my season in double A and, and gone went about my business. So, like... I don't think you even think about it. Like I wasn't even thinking about getting caught up when I, I was, it was truly a surprise when I got caught up. Yeah. So like, I don't, I think there's like, when you sit home in the offseason, you're like, dang, I hope I'm, I can make it to the big leagues next year. But when you're in the middle of that grind, I don't think you think about it that much. Mm. The guys that think about it actually get themselves in trouble. Cause they, yeah. cause they press, you know? Yeah. I think for sure. Like I wasn't, I was always just worried about like, am I good enough at this level? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Cause I was moving so fast and I'm like, damn, am I ready to be in high A? Like, 
I don't know. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it, it was like some teams where I couldn't get some outs, and I'm like, fuck, I don't know if I'm getting past this. You know what I'm saying? So uh, it was it was less about thinking about pitching in the big league. I couldn't even I couldn't even bring my mind to think about pitching in the big leagues. I, I was trying to get guys out at Myrtle Beach and shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I totally get it, man. But that's good. I mean, do you think guys like let's say let's say a Kyler Murray, for example, or guys who are you know, really talented athletes who have multiple professional sport options. Do you think in their minds they are weighing, if I, like, if I go play, I don't know, let's say it's NBA or NFL, I'm getting drafted. I'm going right to the pros. If I go to baseball, I'm not going. It's going to take me at least some time, right? Do you think that, would that be a fact? If you had those options, would that be a factor in your mind as you're making that choice? I think if I'm if I'm like if I'm Kyler Murray, that's a special situation because yeah. like he knew that he was going to be drafted early in the first round as an NFL player. He was going to get an opportunity to, to play his first year coming out. But I mean, if I'm looking at him, I'm like I can make this money right away, or I can go to the I can make a little bit, go to the minor leagues, and I may not get an opportunity yeah. to to get that first contract. So yeah, he he's got to think about that. It's like. That's why I, can, I commend somebody like Jeff Samarja. Like, yeah. he probably would have been a, a second round, late first round pick, but yeah. he chose to go pitch and play baseball. And I mean, he still ended up getting paid, but yeah. like, that was a that was a bigger gamble. Yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Than what Kyler Murray did. Him, him, you know, gambling on being a, a pitcher as opposed to, you know, being a late first round pick in the NFL. Yeah. It's a heck of an investment in yourself, right? It is. Uh, Justin, how about, um, you know, CeCe alluded before uh, to your brother. And he, you know, I remember watching him like during the Rays, uh, Red Sox, ALCS. I yeah. remember just feeling like, yo, you cannot get it. You can't get BJ Upton out. Yeah, nine know? homers that play. That it was season. crazy, man. Remember how good? What were the battles like or what was it like growing up in the way you kind of you guys were athletically together on the baseball field? Um, I mean, we're three three years yeah. apart. So, like, we, we got there's some time like in between us. So. Early on, like our battles in the in the front yard, that type of stuff, like we got into it. Like <laughs> it was, there, was, there was like fights. Like yeah. I'm I'm notorious. Like my mom told me I'm notorious. I don't I don't remember it. I, I slightly do, but she said, <laughs> she said I'm notorious. Like I I like BJ start on defense and I put up a bunch of runs off of him and then I quit and leave and tell him I won. So like, <laughs> and he would get all mad and then we're fighting in the house because he didn't get the hit. Like we do stuff like that, man. But like. Uh, like really later on in life, like I, I just, I just wanted to follow in his footsteps. Like, yeah. you know, I, I saw all the stuff he was doing, all the showcases, all the teams and stuff he got to play on. That's what I wanted to do. That's, you know what? Like, that's one way to make sure you never lose. You hit first and then leave before yeah. the other guy gets a chance. <laughs> it's a good way Game to Game over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's over, man. Sorry. Like, I'm leaving now. What was like, what was kind of, um, what was your brother's personality like to you? Like, how, how did you guys differ, I guess, in the way you competed or, or, your, or your competitive spirit? Like, was he, would he ever pull that kind of stunt on you? No, no. Like, <laughs> like honestly, and you know my brother. Mm -hmm. He was, it's crazy, but he was quiet growing up. Like, yeah. he didn't really mess with nobody. Like, but, like, he was quiet and confident. Like, he knew he was good, but, like, he didn't, he didn't talk a whole lot. Me, I was just crazy. Like, I was wild. Like, I wanted to fight you on the field. I like just a wild child. Sounds like and, someone I know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, like I had, I had the temper. I had the whole thing going on. Like 
I was just competitive, but he was just the quiet, confident, do what he do what he does and go home. What Me. was it like y'all playing together in Atlanta? How was that? That's a whole different story. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it was like in the clubhouse, it was like we were like we were at home talking shit and like mm-hmm. you know going back and forth he'd always talk shit to me and then it'd almost be a fight in the clubhouse yeah. but once we got on the field though it was like we competing and and you know we try we try to be cordial and and root for each other I guess. yeah yeah are you like i mean what is it like how much more invested are you in your brothers at bats though than you would be another teammate like that has to be so unique you're sitting there he he's your teammate and he's your brother right like i mean how like are you like i'm not you know i'm not going back to the clubhouse to go take a piss now i gotta i gotta watch my brothers at bat like is it that kind of thing surprisingly no Interesting. Like, like it was i treated him like any other kind of teammate while we were on the field for the yeah. most part like now in the big situation you know he coming up in a big situation bottom of the eight like bottom yeah. of the ninth or something. I, I wanted. I was up there. I was like, I wanted to get it done. You know? Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. But you know, throughout the game, normal at bats, I, I'm, you know, I do my own thing or, or you know, treat them like anybody else. But in that big moment, I don't want them to step up. That was Rand- Robbie and Sandy. I noticed them. Oh yeah, Alomar. Like, and even when they played against each other, they would never even look at each other on the field because Rob. I mean, Sandy was always catching and Robbie was hitting, so he didn't want people thinking that they were oh, cheating or yeah. signed to something. So they literally were not even like talk to each other until like in the parking lot after like it was it was crazy but that's just how competitive they were and like you know I, I was I, I didn't get a chance to actually be teammates with them because uh Sandy left in 01 and Enar was a catcher but um just being around them in spring training and shit they were they were teammates more than they were brothers yeah you know what I'm saying and that's I think they kept that dynamic just so people wouldn't feel weird yeah it's I mean there's some like you think about throughout sports right like uh, even like what the Harbaugh family must have been going through when it was Ravens Niners Super Bowl. Like, yeah. who do you root for if you're the parent? Like, you the know, better like, team, motherfucker. What you mean? Yeah, the person yeah, that's gonna yeah, win. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, 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 yeah, no, I ain't gonna make myself up real. Spoken like a real Let me front tell you runner. Let's see <laughs> and Carter ever play against each other. I'm rooting for the better team. That's it. Yeah. What if like straight up? I'm not going for no losers, guys. But what what if like? What if Lil C's won before Carter never had? I don't give a damn. I'm going for the team that's the best. Oh my god. That's your jersey. You gonna find me. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, poor Carter. <laughs> so, wait, Justin, what uh, what it, what was the experience like for your family when you guys were teammates together? Man, my parents loved it. I mean, we were we were an hour flight from home. They were down there all the time. They got mm. to see the kids and stuff all the time. So it was it was great. It was great for my family. They, and we always had like once a year whole family come down, get to check us out. You know, we'd set, cause they, they got it twisted. When we got to Atlanta, they were like, oh, well, we can come down there all the time. Just catch you, you know, catch you any time for a game. Nah, we had, <laughs> we, had to, we had to shut that down immediately. <laughs> we had our one family gathering yeah. somewhere when everybody could get off it. We had a whole family down there, get a yeah. little section for them and everything. And it, you know, I think they really enjoyed us being that close to home. Yeah. And you know, us being together. So They're they, in Virginia still? In Virginia, yeah. Yeah. My whole family's in Virginia. Yeah. The, um, you know, it's funny, like, because people always talk about, I remember Andy Pettit, I think I've referenced this before, but like talking about when he was in Houston, like, and like, uh, you know, being home isn't the best thing. And people are coming out, like constantly wanting you to do things, whatever. So I could see like all of a sudden 
you have friends, family. Hey, man, like I'm nearby. Give me some tickets. Whatever. It's like, uh, no, it ain't. No, yeah. that ain't it. Yeah, exactly. Nah. Like it could be. I could see that. Like if you played in Oakland or something, man. I would never do that. Like I, I could. I don't even think. Like I. Yeah, it wouldn't even be possible, man. It would. That would be such a distraction. Being that close. Yeah. Twenty minutes from home, San Francisco, Oakland. That would be, man. Yeah. That would be rough. That's like me playing in DC. Like it's mm-hmm. like, just. I couldn't do it. If I had to choose, I'm like, nah. It sounds yeah, fun. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it sounded fun as a kid. Like, oh, I'd love to play for the A's. But yeah. Nah, I'm good. No, you're good. There are things in life we look back on and think, how did I get it so wrong? Maybe an old hairstyle. I've definitely done that. Or dating that one person that one time. I've done that too. You know the one. You're always going to get things wrong. That's just life. But there are also things we can get right on the first try, like shopping for life insurance. That's where Policy Genius comes in. Policy Genius makes finding the right life insurance a breeze. In minutes, you can compare quotes from the top insurers to find your best price. You could save $1,500 or more a year by using Policy Genius to compare life insurance policies. And Policy Genius doesn't just make life insurance easy, they can also help you find the right home and auto insurance or disability insurance, something I'm big on. So even if you look back on your triple denim days in distress, you'll never be distressed about life insurance with Policy Genius. In just a few minutes, you can find your best price and apply at policygenius.com. We all get things wrong from time to time, but you can get life insurance right with Policy Genius today. The shift. How do you uh, how do you enjoy Anaheim as a city and and playing around there? I mean, I mean, I, I live by the beach. I can't yeah. I, you know, I can't complain about that. But um, I don't know. I mean, this this normal California traffic. It's it's yeah. it's tough to get around. But I, I like it. I, it doesn't bother me at all. I, I love the stadium. Um, you know, the weather's perfect. I mean, I, the, everything's great. We just need to win. Yeah, you know, like if if we could, you know, pack that place out and win every night, I don't think there's a better place. When that team's good, that, that, I mean, the fans they, they show up and it's loud and it's fun. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So loud, man! I remember in '09 being there for the ALCS and being like, "Wow, this crowd is rowdy." Yeah, it was rocking. Yeah, it was. we hadn't won that in a long time, so it was it was really rocking. See, I feel like you'd have a problem being an angel. I would. You'd be at Disneyland all the time. Yeah, right? I would. I would. <laughs> <laughs> Too close. Yeah, exactly. Like I don't. I, Justin, do you go at all? Are you a Disney guy at all? Man, I try to avoid it. Yeah, <laughs> I try to avoid it, man. Like I could, I could see for a picture. If I was a pitcher, like I I'd go all the time. But yeah, you'd be there four days a week. Yeah, 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 yeah. but. My leg, man. My legs can't handle all that walking. <laughs> <laughs> like we try to take my daughter, like you know, once or twice a year and I'm trying to skip one of them. Yeah. It's like one of them going to be in the summer when it's hot. I got an off day and all I want to do is sit on my couch. Yeah. But like that early season one when the weather's still good. I'm, then you're good. Yeah, right? I'm, in, I'm in for that one. Yeah. <laughs> Have you gotten to uh, Galaxy's Edge, the Star Wars uh, area yet? In the new no, Disneyland. No, my daughter lasts about two hours. Okay. She she getting older though, so I feel like we're gonna have some longer days there. Yeah. But she like she do all the kitty rides and we out. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Do you go on the kitty rides with her though? Oh yeah. yeah okay, good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you notice like once you start doing that kind of thing, then you find like kind of like these sleeper 
rides that you're like, like I'm. This is supposed to be for me, but I kind of like this. Yeah. Like you know, like <laughs> the, the like the people mover at Epcot in Orlando. I started like I had to go on it because. My my sister was pregnant. She could only do certain things, and I'm like, I never went on the people. I don't think mover. I've never been on this. Yeah, ride. let me tell you something. Go on it. It's yeah. really fun. Like it's <laughs> no, like I'm not fucking with no, that no, guy. no no no. <laughs> the people mover is for you. I'm telling you. Next time you're in Orlando, just check out the people mover. It's like all throughout. Or it's at Magic Kingdom actually. All throughout Magic Kingdom, it's like it's great, but it doesn't. It, I don't know. I never would have known. I gotta take my daughters in May, so I'm excited for this. Yeah, I know. That's Florida. Yeah, yeah. That's that's just too big. It's man. huge, but they got dance competition. Is. I'm a dance dad now. Okay. Obviously not playing baseball, so I got to go to yeah, dance yeah, competition. You get, now you in on that. <laughs> All the stuff you miss, you in on that. Yeah. You got a we dance competition, a game every night. You got something now, man. man. I, I told C that I'm hopping on that trip so that I can also – Go to the front of the line at Disney World for yeah. all the different <laughs> That's really the speed pass. Yeah, the speed pass. Yeah. That's really what it's all about. Yeah, or yeah, the guide. Um, Justin, how about uh, when we? You know, we were talking about this earlier, but like y- you went through it being a prize free agent, you know, and mm-hmm. si- and signing a big deal. Do how did you kind of like approach that process? And like, were you excited going into it, or were you stressed? And how did it kind of live up to your expectations? Yeah, I was. I was kind of. Um, I was actually excited about it. Like before I left San Diego, I kind of had a feeling that I wasn't going back to San Diego. Mm. So um, at that point, I was like, "All right, let me see what's out there." And little did I know, I was I was surprised there there wasn't much out there. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah I'm I'm sitting around. I'm you know the winter meetings goes by and I'm sitting there. I'm like, "All right, what's going on?" Dude? Like somebody somebody's got to come with something that I want. Right. Yeah. And, you know, man, honestly, I got lucky. Um, you know, late great Illich family. I mean, we, I I really had nothing on the table and he was like, I need a left fielder. Mm. And, you know, um, Al Avila came out and we were able to work something out, but, and that was a rough off season. I was like, I I don't know what I'm, I'm, I was at one point I was getting offered one year deals. Yeah. And I'm like, I played all this time and did what I did to to get a one year deal. And I was like, that was frustrating for me. So I was I was ready to just sit and wait as long as I could. And then you know, I got lucky with, with the Tigers coming in and and you know, telling me they wanted me to be there. You know, this is interesting because it's true, like you wait a long time, right? To get to free agency and get to those moments. Yeah, and like, you think it's gonna be something totally different than what it is. Yeah. Like you, I mean yeah. you you play you play your whole career to be in a position where to to feel like you want to pick where you want to play. Right. You know what I'm saying? And it never and it never comes down to that. It always yeah. is like it's almost like it's almost like teams know that this one team wants you. So we're not even going to offer you a contract because we know that this team's going to be the highest bidder. Yeah. That's how I felt anyway. Mm. So it's like no teams even get a chance to like you don't get to play like you know what I'm saying? You don't even get to to see who what's out there or right. what it's you Right. It's not like you're take. choosing from 30 teams. Mm-mm. You're right. No. Right. Like, you you honestly in free agency you're lucky if you got three teams in on you. Yeah. Mm. Like like three real offers. I've yeah. never heard anybody have three, three real, real offers. Yeah. yeah. Like I mean, real ones. Yeah, unless unless you the guys like Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole. Yeah. Like the, But the I bet you he didn't even have three 
345 325 million dollars. Well, he nobody going to give him that. He may yeah, he may not have had that, but he has some some real offers on the table. Like <laughs> hey, 290 I'm still real. About the average, <laughs> I'm talking about the average cat out here, dog. The average cat is like, "Hey, I got an offer over here, but I'm gonna lie about it to this team." So then maybe they jump on it like, you know what I'm saying? Like it's 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 very rare that you got real offers on the table. I didn't have a real offer on the table until Beginning of January, like after the winter means after the new year. Yeah. Like I, I was hoping to be signed way before that. And I didn't have a real offer on the table until after, probably after the new year. Man. I mean, you've talked about that. That would stress you out. Man. Yeah. That shit yeah. is a trip, man. It, like free agency is, 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 I'm telling you, I always said that. Like I thought it was going to be this, I'm flying around and shit, seeing all these teams. <laughs> Wasn't no, none of that. Man, it ain't nothing. None like of that. Well, You're I, just sitting at home stressing. I, and, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> man, exactly. Now, do you think, cause you brought up the point, Justin, of like, Hey, you're waiting your whole career to get to this point. Do you feel like it has to be a point of emphasis for you guys in your next CBA to move up the timeline a little bit on free agency? Or is that something that does, does it feel like it needs to be addressed in some way from a, from a player's standpoint, or at least from your guys' standpoint when you look at it right now? Well, I, I feel like it's a double-edged sword because there's a, there's a hierarchy of it. Like, Garrett, nobody else is going to sign until Strasburg and, and Garrett Cole sign. Now, if you push everybody to the to the back end of of this timetable, this you know theoretical timetable, now you got a whole bunch of dudes without jobs panicking, and it's going to get even worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like you can't like there's but there's got to like, be there's got to be a better way to do yeah, it. But yeah. But I mean, that service. Ain't it. Time, I don't think yeah. you can put a timetable on it because then you have a bunch of guys going to Japan and not having jobs. Right. And shit. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? If you put. But I mean, more so like right now when you're getting your, you know, three years on a rookie deal and then three years of arbitration, right? Before. Oh, they could definitely agency. move I'm up saying, the timeline. You feel yeah, like yeah, that yeah, yeah, timeline yeah, yeah. needs to be moved up. Oh, yeah. Somewhat. I mean, I think I should be free agents after four years. Like Aaron Judge should be a free agent. Well, I mean, when you, when you look at it, like. All, all teams are talking about is, all right, well, his prime is age 26 to 32. Well, a lot of dudes ain't even, they're 32 when they become a free agent. Yeah. So, like, now they're like, oh, well, here's a one-year deal. We think you passed your prime. Right. Well, if if y'all believe that the their prime is 26 to 32, well, you're going to have to bump that back. All right, you only get this guy for four years for cheap. Right. Mm-hmm. He gets two years two years of rookie contract, two years of arbitration, then he gone. Right. Mm-hmm. So n- now some guys are coming out at 25, 26, 27. Now you got pig after their prime years. Yeah. Is it? I think that's going to drive the salaries through the roof, yes. which would be great. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like if, if you get Aaron oh, Judge. Oh, great for you. No, it's just. The no, I mean, <laughs> hey, bro. Honestly, I'm going to be long so much gone. I'm be long gone by that time. Them owners making so much money. <laughs> yeah. like, you get Aaron Judge in his prime of years yeah. or whatever, you got to get paid that motherfucker $500 million. Well, the, the thing is, too, like the other part of the argument, I think, from a baseball player's perspective could be this. Like, look. You also have us in your organization for however many years where you're evaluating us, getting to know us. So it's not just like you're evaluating us in the major league years, right? Because right. like obviously owners don't want to, and it's it, it wouldn't be good for business if you're constantly doling out huge money for guys who aren't worth it, right? Because right. the business would fold if right. you're spending money on assets that aren't producing. However, it's not like you have a lack of evidence, you know, because you've seen these guys for years in your minor leagues. And now if you're saying four years, that's at least a still a substantial amount of major league time. I you mean, know? You, you know, if a guy can, is going to cut it yeah. after, yeah. after three, uh, two, three, four years, yeah, like, yeah. you know what his role is going to be. So like, 
it, you'll see a lot of guys falling in a fourth a fourth outfielder role. You see guys turn into a utility man a lot earlier. Like teams are gonna have to make that decision a lot earlier. They know they know within those first few years. They just wait to make that because they have time. They wait to make that decision on a guy mm-hmm. and where I can bounce him back and forth in the minor leagues and yeah. try to try to change what he does. But now they're gonna have to <laughs> that puts yeah. that puts pressure on them to make that decision a lot early. Yeah, and not for nothing. Like the guys that they pay early that get the contracts after the couple of years because they know they're not going to be able to keep them. The Trouts, the whoever else, yeah. they put up the numbers, bro. Yeah, they do. Every time. Like, there's not... The only bad contracts that have been are, are free agent guys that have been late. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you right. get these guys early, pay them. Yeah. I, I also think there's something to the idea of like, hey, you guys are, and I understand why, using analytics to prove that these dollars aren't worth this production in these years, right? Well, we can also say on the flip side then, look at the quantifiable production you are getting at these low-cost dollars at the beginning of the career, and it's extending too far, right? Like where you have a 25-year-old who's three years away from free agency and has put in three MVP caliber years or whatever, and you, you may, and he's paying... Mookie Betts. Yeah, right, in the first couple <laughs> yeah. of years. But, right. but also think about this, though. Think about... The stuff that we don't understand in this this analytics, mm-hmm. I mean, it could be a, a I don't want to say that. I guess I can't say yeah. it. It could be half of that stuff could be complete bullshit. Yeah, it's, it could be them finding ways to to degrade players. Yeah, like, yeah, to downgrade players. It's, it's, they're finding they're finding ways like. If you go looking for it, you're gonna find it. You're gonna find a hole in every dude's game. Yeah. So now, now when I go when I go to talk to you in free agency or arbitration, you've come up with some way to quantify what I don't do well. Like they're gonna find ways to do that regardless. So like they, you should only take what they're those numbers that they're coming up with, kind of with a like with a grain of salt. Like yeah, you 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 can't really base a guy's production on that. You know and, and everybody's analytics is different. Yep. Because yep. everybody's program is different and right. quantifies this and that. And right. everybody's shit is different. Every organization is different. I see it even just like when I, I broadcast a lot of NBA games and right. like when I'm preparing for a game and it's like if I use this website, the pace is one thing. If I use NBA.com, it's evaluated differently. And I'm like, okay, well, so this team's, it's not going to vary that much in this particular example, but it's still different, you know, and it's supposed to be the same analytic, but you're still somehow being measured differently within that. But you're right. If you're, if you're kind of working backwards, right, where you're like, this is the conclusion I want, you can find evidence for it. Like, you just like find the be- a way. I mean, the best example for me is, like, early in my career when I was just barely an outfielder, like, I made, I was making errors left and right. Like, I just didn't know what I was doing out there. Yeah. And I was over-aggressive. I did crazy stuff in the outfield. I dove for stuff I didn't, shouldn't, have died for, shouldn't die for. And I won a Fielding Bible Award, which I think is the Bill James. I won a Fielding Bible Award, but I don't win the gold glove. Like, there's yeah. there's discrepancy. Yeah. <laughs> like, that tells me everything I need to know. Yeah. It's like, he thought I was a good outfielder, but he didn't. Yeah, you know, it's right. like, yeah. it, it, it's all opinion. It's all mm-hmm. opinion on guys. So, like, you, you can't really, you know, put too much in the, in the, the certain analytics. But that's what, like, Larry, he's always hit me with the analytics. Like, man... You know, you're pitching good because, you know, the, the amount of weak contact you get and the percentage is like the lowest in the league. I don't give a fuck <laughs> because they keep blooping shit right over the shortstop and I got runners on base. You right. know what I'm saying? Then I give up a double and I'm fucking four runs in the hole. So I don't right. give a fuck about weak contact percentage. Don't give me that bullshit. Really I need fucking outs. Yeah. I don't, strong. 
fuck that strong. department. I need yeah. fucking outs, man. Like, hey. seriously, like that shit don't that, mean that happened to me last year, dude. <laughs> I'm batting like 200, and like I can't buy a hit. And they come, oh well, your chase rate's down and your exit velocity's up. I'm like. What the fuck is that? <laughs> like, what is that doing for me? Nothing. nothing. It still says two zero zero on the board. Like, it's doing nothing for me. Oh my god, it's crazy, man. But you know what's funny about it? Like, so what's interesting is like if I'm if I'm like management in that case, right? And I'm trying to find underlying reasons for things, and I'm like, well, okay. I'm not going to be results oriented, right? Like these things are good. Like, so maybe it's going to turn and I'm going to you and then I'm like, Oh, I think I'm going to help we you psychologically. And you're like, that's not helping me psychologically. <laughs> no, nobody yeah. want to hear that shit. No. Do you guys think like the next generation will be more inclined to like take that information in and, and, and kind of feel a certain way about it or I feel mean, as they would want them to feel about it? Yeah. Because that's going to be all they know. Yeah. They like, already are. Yeah. Like when I came up, it was like, you either, like you either hitting line drives and driving the ball, or you're not. Now mm-hmm. it's like, you know, his launch angle's great, and like this is what this is what they they're working on in the yeah. off season. So like when somebody tells them their launch angle's great or their X velocity's up or they're not chasing the ball, like everybody knows when you're chasing p- pitches in the dirt and not like that's how I came up. Like I know when I know when I'm off balance. I know when I'm swinging the balls in the dirt. Like these guys can quantify it, and their their teams are pushing this stuff, and that's all they're gonna ever know. Yeah. yeah. So they they're not going to have a choice but to to be on board with it. And and you hit a ball over a certain amount of like your exit velocity is over a certain amount, they consider that a win. Yeah. I, I'll give up 25 I'll give up 27 fucking line drives <laughs> at 115 miles an hour. If, if they go right to the shortstop, I throw a no hitter. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck, I don't care. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like fuck exit velocity. Is it a hit or not? It's like Yeah, that's fuck that's why that Hey, yeah, your exit velocity is down. Yeah, but I'm batting three bills. Like <laughs> you look at you David Fletcher, perfect example. Mm-hmm. Last year this dude filleted more balls I've ever seen in my life, but he he was around 300 the entire year. He was on base all the time. And I was about to say, you need that guy. You need him to be on base. So yes. if he's on base and you coming up and I'm fucking worried about him still in the base, yeah. then I'm going to make a mistake to you. Right. You, you know need what I'm those saying? Like, it's just, it's crazy, man. I yeah. do. I, I get it like from an athlete perspective. And I also, I get it from like, if you're evaluating the players, cause you're like, you're trying to make sense of the results. Right. And so if it's like, if you if I'm looking at you and I'm like, man, I feel like he's pitching well though. Like, I don't feel like he's done. He gave up five runs back to back starts, but I feel like it was. And then I'm looking back, and I'm like, yeah, it was all bloops. I get wanting to say, no, I'm going to buy into his third start because I because I think it's going to turn. Yeah, but as a player, but, yes, as a yeah. player, I get saying like, <laughs> yeah. I don't care because I'm not getting the results I want, so I don't feel good about right. it. Right. Yeah. And, and I think it it comes down to teams forgetting like. The basis of the game. The basis of the game. The team that scores the most points wins. Yeah. And like when CeCe that goes out and he gives up four bloops and he's down two nothing in the first inning, like he his his mentality as an athlete is I didn't keep points off the board. Mm. Like he doesn't think about oh well they didn't even hit me hard. No, he don't think about it. He gave up two runs. Or if I go up there and I I don't get it done with runners in scoring position, we didn't put any points on the board. Like, that's, that's just how athletes' minds work. And guess what? If you go in the locker room after and be like, man, I gave up four bloopers, blah, 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 whatever. Don't nobody want to hear that shit. You're making no. excuses, guys. You're right. You're right. You get, you're making fucking excuses. So yeah. players don't want to hear that shit at all. Yeah. yeah. I hope that never changes because one of the things that's worried me when I see, like, and Al Leiter actually used to talk about this, when he sees, like, young, developing athletes, especially in baseball, like, when he hear pitchers, especially with their arms being watched so closely now, and it's like, how was your start? And they're like, I threw four innings. I got my work in. It's like, what you got your work in? Like, you know, how is that now the evaluative tool for 
if you had a good day or not, right? Like, That's how they talk. Right. Yeah, them. yeah. Right. It's like, crazy. Uh, and it's I, like, like you just uh, it's the game is like when I roll in the spring training, I don't care who we're playing. Like when you go out on the field, you're playing to win. Mm-hmm. I, don't, mm-hmm. I don't care who. Like yeah, I'm getting my work and I'm working on what I want want to work on, but like I'm still I'm still trying to win. Like hidden in there somewhere, hidden behind like me working on my stroke and all that stuff. Like there's still a, that that urge to win. Yeah, and I think sometimes that gets forgotten. What interferes with your happiness? Is something preventing you from achieving your goals? You know, C and I have both talked about anxiety playing a role in our lives at different times, fear. Maybe you have other things you're dealing with. Well, this is why we love BetterHelp. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist that you can connect with in a safe and private online environment. You could send a message to your counselor anytime and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. There are licensed professional counselors who are specialized in many different areas, such as depression, anxiety, family conflicts, grief, and more. It's much more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. We know now is a time where all of us are feeling certain levels of mental stress, fear, anxiety, grief. Well, BetterHelp can be there for you. We want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you will get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash R2C2. Join over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash R2C2. All of sports may be benched, but The Athletic is still coming out with incredible sports stories. You know, sometimes falling into a great sports story and losing track of time is exactly what you need, especially right now. From top local and national sports writers, you get quality, exclusive, in-depth content that goes beyond the box score. You'll get full access to all sports, teams, cities, and writers, and you can customize and choose the content you care about. The Athletic is your one-stop shop for passionate sports fans. I can tell you every single day, I get my email with The Athletic, with content that is tailored to my liking, and I'm reading it every single day. Why? Because somehow, even in these trying times, they continue to churn out excellent, top-of-the-line content. You know, none of these stories just to fill column. No, 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 no. Every story has a purpose to it and a unique thread to it. So that's why I love The Athletic. And right now, The Athletic is offering new customers a 90-day free trial. Why wouldn't you do that? To take advantage of this incredible offer, visit theathletic.com slash R2C2, all lowercase, once again, to get started with your 90-day free trial of The Athletic and their complete library of written, audio, and video content, go to theathletic.com slash R2C2. The Shift. Justin, you're changing your number this year? Yeah. For Kobe? Yeah. Very cool. That's dope. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, it, I don't know, like I was talking to my wife about it. I'm like, I'm an athlete in the LA area. 
still wearing them right. I, I even I went as far as like looking at like all the rosters in LA, like the Kings, the whoever, like yeah, all the major sports. And I was like, I think I might like when I went through it. I think I was the only athlete in, in LA still wearing eight, and I was just like. It just feels right. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like being in, I mean, I don't know if you, maybe you were not there when it happened, but have, are you living no, in I California? Live, I live here. You okay. I live here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what has kind of been like, I guess the, the LA sports world feeling, cause we've obviously felt it everywhere in this country and we've been in New York, but I mean, it's, it hits closer to home there. So what's that been like? I mean, I just think the reach they like, I don't know if I've ever met a Clippers fan in in LA like mm -hmm. everybody's Lakers fans and like he was a hero for so many people like and a, he's just a legend and I mean throughout the country but in that and that people lived and died by Kobe mm -hmm. in in Southern California so like you know there's a lot of people like when I when I when my number got changed like people hit me and my DM like hey man that's so cool mm. and I'm like not being from there like I was a Kobe fan. Like I just liked his competitive edge and mm -hmm. the way he played the game. And for people who grew up watching him, like and lived and died by the Lakers and Kobe Bryant, like you could tell that that it, like it hit hard. It hit hard down there. You know. Yeah. I mean, I f I feel like I feel like it's gonna end when they go when Lakers go through the playoffs and they're making the finals run. Now I feel like it's gonna be very. I mean, obviously, but it's gonna be very, very present for a long time. It feels yeah, I like, mean, you know? I think just forever. I mean, they was chanting yeah. Kobe last night. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, so like, yeah, I don't think it's ever gone gonna go away. I mean, that guy, you know, he's the MJ of this generation. Yeah. Like, he's literally the MJ of this generation. So. And you know, I always say it. He worked with so many guys. He had his hands on so many guys in the NBA. Jason Tatum to Kyrie to, you know, whoever else. I mean, women's basketball, yeah. just the impact that he had on the game and, and just inspiring this group of, of this generation of athletes. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the inspiration that he, that he was to them is it's incredible. You know, I, I, I was telling you the other day, we were talking about this and I was saying like, every time I prepare for an NBA game, there's some guy on my game boards that I, I'm preparing, there's like a story about him working with Kobe. Like, and literally the other day I did Nuggets Thunder and Jamal Murray was, went to Kobe's like invite only camp this past year. And what was he working on with him? Specifically was working on post defense in mismatches. And what happens like literally like within the first five possessions of the game twice, Jamal Murray is switched on a big in the post. <laughs> trying to like hold his own, you yeah. know? And it's like, this is so we're able to tell the story. And it's like, man, and this is like, and by the way, both times he got stops. And it's like, wow, like that's Kobe influence. Like Jamal Murray, you know, and he may still have, you know, some room to grow there, but like he used to get, you know, torched in those situations. Right. He goes to Kobe to work for that one specific thing with Kobe. Like it's, what you're talking about, hands on these guys, you know? It's like very unique uh, relationship that he had with yeah. them. Who do you think, like, who would be, is there like a godfather of baseball right now? You feel like, mm. yeah, Big Poppy maybe. Yeah, Poppy. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's for me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. To me, so yeah, for me too, it'd be Poppy. Yeah. Just his personality. He can relate to everybody. Right. He can talk pitching. He can talk hitting. Yeah. He's done it in big situations. He's clutch. Like it'd be Poppy probably. Yeah. I mean, how many? I mean, how many times I 
catch him outside, talk to. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 I felt like every time I, we ran into each other, I, I ended up talking to him somehow. So like, and he always got something to say. That's the crazy <laughs> part. He always got something for you. You know, no matter what you start talking about, he always got something for you. So I, I have to say Poppy. What kind of, what kind of things is he, is he saying to you when you say he's got something for you? Yeah. Like, you know, you end up talking hitting, like you're around the cage or like you're in the middle of your BP round. Like you just, anything yeah. like wh what's going on with you right then like it's, it's it's always he always has like a little nugget for you yeah that's you know? cool yeah. that's really cool um you know we see i don't know if we've actually ever talked about like the lack of black players that are in major league baseball i mean i know it's some, but i don't know if we've ever actually talked about it on the pod and Ju justin you and your brother i believe were the first ever black major league baseball players to be drafted one, two in a, in a first round. I'm pretty sure. Right. Your brother was second overall pick. Second overall. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure you yeah. were. Yeah. What, 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 do Dimitri and Delman? No, what, Dimitri wasn't that high a pick. No, I don't uh, think so. I think, yeah, I don't I'm think pretty sure you guys were. Delman was first overall. Yeah. I, I don't think I'll look up Dimitri, but I'm pretty sure you guys were. What do you, you know, what do you guys, I mean, you both are, are black baseball players. You've gone through your career. Obviously, Justin, you're still in the middle of yours, a four-time All-Star, three-time Silver Slugger. What do you think when you, you know, look around and see the diminished numbers of African-American baseball players? Man, I've been saying it. it. I mean, I said it in 2007. It's, it's tragic, you know what I'm saying? And, and I mean, I, when I said it in 2007, everybody killed me. Mm. Um, no, it's not. It's not, blah, 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 blah. And it's just the, the numbers have been diminishing and, and, and getting smaller every year. And it's, I mean, I, it's, it's weird. I, I, I almost feel like an obligation to try to, do something to get right. more players back playing just because I got into baseball because I seen guys that look like me. It was Dave Stewart, Dave mm -hmm. Henderson, Dave Parker. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? So that's what that's what drew me to the game is the guys that look like me. So that's why I always and for me, I always try to never lose myself. Like whatever I am is what I am. I'm never right. going to try to I never tried to change who I was because. I want kids in the hood to relate to me because that's where I came from. So, mm, right. um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's something's got to be done, man. It's 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 uh it's really 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 bad. Yeah, and you know, I I always I always root. And it it it's not it's not a it's not malicious intent. Like I always root for black baseball players. Yeah, like the guys I always root for them to do really well because, like, the more black baseball players that are the Mookie Betts, like yeah. those guys, those guys that are visible, that are winning MVPs, that are are in all-star games, playing in the playoffs and, and being successful. The more black kids that see the superstars, the guys playing yeah. well, the more visible those guys are, the more visible black players are, the more the, the younger black kids are going to see them and want to be like them. But like, it's it's kind of on us to be you know to be mm -hmm. to be visible. Yeah, and you know what's crazy is like when I first came up, it was like all the Latin guys would hang out. You know, like it, in the minor leagues, like yeah. no matter if there's Venezuelan, Puerto Rican, yeah. Dominican, like they all going out together, both teams. Yeah, that's what it is for us now. Right. You know what I'm saying? For the black players in the league, like no matter whether you play first base, you pitch, do whatever, you see somebody on the other side, like y'all probably going to dinner that night. You know what I'm saying? Right. Just because. It's not a lot of, of us that look, you know, we don't have a lot in common with a lot of people in the clubhouse. So when you see somebody else that's African-American, you automatically just gravitate towards them. And, and, so it, you, and it wasn't like that when I first came up. No? Because it was so many of us. Yeah, that you yeah. you could really just hang with the guys on your team. Now you can't, 
You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't really hang with the guys on your team because yeah. there are none. And you're kind of keeping tabs then, too, 1, across major leagues on how, you know, how this guy's doing, how that guy's doing, whatever it might be. Yeah. Yeah. I, the, um, you know, is there any, like, solution in mind that you have for that? Like, because the problems I Baseball's experience, right? man. I mean, uh, baseball's expensive. Yeah. Um, you got to have the equipment. Um, you know, you got to have the league structures. Um I mean, just think about, you know, if you got a kid in the hood that has, you know, he's good in basketball or good in football and good in baseball, you can't get a full scholarship to play college uh, baseball. You, you can only get a full, you get a full scholarship to play football. So right. what, guess what I'm choosing? I'm going to play football. Right. Like my mom can't, couldn't afford for me to go play college baseball. You know what I'm saying? So it just kind of takes us out of the game. So, um, I mean, there's a lot of things that could be done, but. You know, it's, it's going to have to take for Major League Baseball, the Player Association, and the players to get involved and, and really, 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 put, you know, put a put a plan together. Yeah. You know, we uh, we were talking earlier, see, just about 100th year of the Negro Leagues, mm-hmm. and I know you're going to be doing a lot of cool stuff throughout the year. You know, and we love Bob Kendrick, who had, tells the best stories there. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, see, when you think about Negro Leagues, like what – what kind of stands out most to you as we go into the hundredth year? Um, I mean, for me, it's just the biggest thing. I mean, I, I visit the museum all the time. It's just I wouldn't be here without some of those guys. Mm-hmm. And just like the style, like that they played in, is still reminiscent of us today. Like how we walk around and play, right. and me wearing my hat to the side, just different shit. Like it's just all direct effect from the Negro leagues, and and you know to be able to to be in this hundredth year and hopefully do some cool things to bring more light to the museum and just the league itself. Um, I'm excited for that. Yeah. Justin, you guys, uh, you, your teammates with Albert Pujols, who was yep. like one of our favorite guests last year. He was outstanding. You know, what, I mean, what have you been able to kind of learn just from playing alongside a legend like that? Or what's been the best part of being around him? Dude, I love AP, man. He, yeah. Like, you watch him, man, and like, the way he goes about it every day, dude. Like, you would think at his age and how much has he done, like, that he would – you know, just kind of go through the motions. Not go through the motions, but he would just lay back a little bit. But every day he's, he's in the cage, he take a bunch of swings. He's all, he's still, he's still Albert. He still mm-hmm. wants to be, he still wants to be one of the guys. He still, he don't, he don't, he don't want to, he's not done. He don't want to walk away yet. And you, you can tell how he, how he worked. But I mean, he's always, he's always trying to pick the dudes up. Like I, you know, I've, I've had my struggles since I've been in, and in, in, I mean, there's no secret of that, but like, hitting in front of him or, you know, every time we get in the dugout, he's always got something for you. He's like, all right, man, this is what I'm, you know, this is what I'm seeing. He's, he's always talking the game. And I, I love that, man. Anytime you, you sit down next to him, he's got something for you. That's awesome, man. I love hearing that. How about when Otani came over? Like, what's it, what's it like just like witnessing his talent? What were you thinking when he first comes over and just getting to watch him? I think, his 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 tools are like silly. Yeah. When, when I saw him in spring training the first time, it, he had stupid thump. Like you're taking BP with him. <laughs> stupid thump, dude. Like, and, and then you see him. We had this one. Like I feel like it was his first spring training start, and I was like, oh, I don't. I ain't never seen him as a pitcher. I'm standing mm-hmm. in left field, and the first guy gets like a little cheap hit, and then another guy. I think he ended up walking him. And you could kind of see him get pissed off. Like you, I was standing left foot. I could see him get pissed off. So he's in the stretch. And then it's like 99, 100, 100 split. 
got gone. <laughs> and like he had that extra gear. And I was at that point, I was like, I'm sold on this dude. Cause like he had that, like first, first started spring training. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get somebody's ass. Yeah. And like I was at that point, I was in on him. Man, he, I'm, I keep saying this and people always laugh when I say it. He the best baseball player I've ever seen in my life. Wow. Are you kidding me? Motherfucker can hit a ball 900 feet and throw 99 <laughs> off the mound. Yeah. Like, who else who can, else do, can that? do it? Who's who done else it? is doing that, bro? It's an excellent like, point. Like, there no, there's nobody else doing that at the That's big true. league level. Like, so, and I'm glad he chose Anaheim because that year, that spring training that he had, and if he would have had that in New York, yeah. he, they would have turned him into one or the other. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying? yeah, yeah. Right. So, like, to be able to come, like, to have the foresight to know, like, if, you know, if I struggle a little bit, I still can do whatever I want. Like, yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, he it's it's special dude. Yeah. Like you you can't say he's the most successful baseball player ever, but most that's what, he's the most talented. He's yeah. got to be the most talented. <laughs> Justin, we uh these episodes that we do with the shift um with Major League Baseball Players Association, we like to end with just asking you what do you love most about the game and what's one thing you would change about the game? So, have you answer that before we get you out of here? Ooh. Um what I love, I, I just love that every single night, like you can go home, sleep and compete again the next day. Mm. Like for me, no matter how bad you do or how good you do, you start over the next day. Um, you, like in football, you got to sit on it for a week. I don't, I don't, I don't like that feeling. Um, you know, in, in basketball, you might have a couple nights off, but baseball, like the next night you get thrown back in there and you got to find a way or you out, you know, like you always got to find a way to compete that next day, no matter how you feel. Love that. And how about one thing you'd like to see change? <sighs> one thing I'd like to see change. Um, I, I ain't got nothing. <laughs> I'm gonna keep my mouth shut on that. I I, I could probably say some, some things, but I, they, they're not big. You'd rather they're end not, on the love, and we're okay with yeah, that. We're, yeah, I'm ending on love, bro. I'm ending on love. I like that. I well, like that. Justin, thank you, man. Thank you for being with us. Have a wonderful season, man. We'll be rooting for you, and yeah. um, you know, maybe we'll catch you at Disneyland sometime. All right, man. Appreciate <laughs> on the it. Off yeah. Thank you guys so much for joining us for this episode of The Shift. Hope you enjoyed getting to hear Justin. Uh, just a really smart, measured way uh, he has about him. And, and um, you know, he was just a really enjoyable guest, very likable personality. So I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Justin. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. New episodes every Thursday. Also, check us out on YouTube. Uh, the Shift episodes and R2C2 episodes are available on Uninterrupted's YouTube channel. You know, a lot of these episodes we've been doing during this period of time, as well as the ones uh, that we did on the road in Arizona, are available via video. So make sure you check that out on YouTube. Continue to stay safe. Continue to be smart. You know, we all affect each other through this. So listen to doctors and scientists. Take care of yourself and each other. Um, and you know what? Uh, today I thought it might be fun for us to... Um, and just uplifting and heartwarming for uh, you guys to hear uh, something that one of my best friends on the planet, Bobby Coyle, my college roommate, sent to me uh, yesterday morning. Uh, a little audio recording of his four-year-old daughter, Gracie. She didn't know he was recording him. And it just gives you a lens into the mind and heart of a child. Uh, and it's much needed at this particular moment in time. So uh, we'll have Bobby and young Gracie Coyle uh, take us out in this episode of The Shift. Be well, everybody. God bless.
Let me ask you a question, Grace. Do you think we'll be able to get through this coronavirus? If so, how? I have powers, and I could put a fire on coronavirus or do anything to coronavirus. Right. I have, I have all the powers in the whole universe, so well, that, we could get through this. That's good. We can get through this. We're going to get through this alone or together? How are we going to do it? Together. Deal? Do deal. It together. Let's shake on that one. That's a good deal. <laughs>